I'm Father Ron Shibley, founder and director of the Anglican Internet Church, and I welcome you to episode 19 in the fourth edition of the AIC Bible Study video series, The New Testament Gospels. In this episode, I will discuss two more unique parables in the Gospel of St. Luke, the parable of the rich man and Lazarus, and the parable of the tenacious widow. At the end of the episode, I will point out where material presented in this episode is discussed in the new AIC bookstore publication, The Gospel of Luke, Annotated and Illustrated. The parable of the rich man and Lazarus from Luke 16 verses 19 to 31 is the gospel reading for First Sunday after Trinity and is among the most famous, most colorful, and most complex of all the parables. It deals not just with events during life, but also after death. The beggar Lazarus, who is a central figure in this parable, is not the same man as Lazarus of Bethany, brother of Mary and Martha, and whom Jesus raised from the dead in John 11, verses 1 to 46, and discussed in episode 38. The illustration, Lazarus at the rich man's house, a monochrome print made in 1891 A.D. from an original engraving in Gustave Doré's Grand Bible du Tours, published in France in 1866 A.D. with an English-language version published at London in the same year and often called Doré's English Bible. The parable of the rich man and Lazarus was hugely popular in the early church in both the Eastern and Western church traditions. I will read the entire parable with illustrations and commentary following some important background information. Based upon St. Jerome's Vulgate Bible, a translation into Latin from the Greek, the rich man is called Divis, which in Latin means rich. Divis is not actually a personal name. The English name Lazarus is based on the Hebrew name Eliezer, which means God has help. Two very different artistic traditions prevail in how the parable is illustrated. In the Western Church, a representational style is preferred, depicting graphic details of the text, such as in the illustration, an oil on canvas painted in 1625 A.D. by Hendrik Jans der Bruggen, officially of informally known as the Dutch Caravaggio, from the Central Museum in Utrecht, Netherlands, in which a dog is licking at the sore on the pitiable Lazarus's leg, painted with careful anatomical accuracy, and a dog eating the scrap from the rich man's table, both based upon verse 21. In the Eastern Church tradition, and in Europe before the Renaissance and Reformation, especially during the Ottonian era of the Holy Roman Emperors Otto and Henry. In southern Germany in the 10th and 11th centuries, the spiritual symbolism is more important than the literal detail, reflecting of the content of the parable concerning the fate of both men after their deaths. Now the first part of the parable. There was a certain rich man who was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. 
But there was a certain beggar named Lazarus, full of sores, who was laid at his gate, desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. Purple and fine linen in verse 19 are indicators of wealth, items which only the wealthy could afford. In the first century, the only vendors of purple cloth were Phoenician traders who alone knew the secret of dyeing cloth with an extract from the shell of mollusks. The illustration is the top line in a three-line illumination in tempera and gold on parchment in the Byzantine style from the Codex Aureus of Echternach, or Golden Gospels of Echternach, made at the Monastery of St. Willebrod at Echternach, Luxembourg, which was then in Germany between 1030 and 1050 AD, from the Germanische National Museum, Nuremberg, Germany. The parable continues in verse 22 and 23. So it was that the beggar died and was carried by the angels to Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. And being in torment in Hades, he lifted up his eyes and saw Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. The illustration is the middle panel of three in the Codex Aureus of Echternach, showing the angel carrying away Lazarus in the left side of the scene. In the right panel, Lazarus sits, as the dead rich man saw, quote, in Abraham's bosom. Uh, some translations do it backwards, bosom of Abraham, which is a phrase found only in St. Luke's Gospel. Abraham was known as the father of the Hebrew nation, or our father Abraham in John 8, verse 53. For Christians, the bosom of Abraham generally means heaven. The term bosom is derived from the Hebrew practice of dining, followed also by the Romans reclining on cushions pushed close together with heads nearly touching. Some Jews believed that the righteous dead would meet Abraham, in the bosom of Abraham. Jesus next explains the fate of the rich man in verses 22b and 23, followed by a discourse between the rich man and Abraham. The illustration is the bottom panel of three in the Codex Aureus of Echternach. Then he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. But Abraham said, Son, remember that in your lifetime you received your good things, and likewise Lazarus evil things, but now he is comforted and you are tormented. And besides all this, between us and you there is a great gulf fixed, so that those who want to pass from here to you cannot, nor can those from there pass to us. The message is that after death it is too late to lament one's course in life. The rich man did not show in his lifetime the mercy he pleads for from Abraham. The closing verses reveal that the rich man still, still did not understand for himself, but he pleads for his brothers who are still living. And I continue with verses 27 to 31. 
Then he said, I beg you, therefore, Father, that you would send him to my father's house, for I have five brothers, that he may testify to them, lest they also come to this place of torment. Abraham said to him, They have Moses and the prophets, let them hear them. And he said, No, Father Abraham, but if one goes to them from the dead, they will repent. But he said to him, If they do not hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, though one rise from the dead. In verses 30 and 31, Jesus, in the voice of Abraham, has made clear that the synagogues and temples and churches teaching are open to anyone who can freely come, listen, and learn. I end this discussion of the parable of the rich man and Lazarus with two summary comments. First, the lesson demonstrated in the fate of the two men in the parable should not be understood to be the result of their wealth or their lack of it. The rich man demonstrated in his lifetime a fixation on earthly wealth, but his true sin was not his wealth, but his lack of compassion demonstrated by his failure to be moved by the sad state of Lazarus when he begged at his door. On the other hand, Lazarus went to the bosom of Abraham not because he was poor, but because of his faith. It is the conflict between the Christian virtue of compassion and the sin of covetousness. The Tenth Commandment's prohibition against covetousness applies both to an obsessive desire for wealth and an obsessive fixation on one's own lack of wealth. The illustration is the parable of the rich man and Lazarus, a fresco at the monastery of St. Ivan of Rila near Sofia, Bulgaria. The monastery was started in 927 AD and destroyed by Muslims in the early 15th century and was rebuilt in the late 15th century. A second and final point. The NKJV's translation's use of Hades instead of hell in the King James Version in verse 16, chapter 16, verse 23 is related to the NKJV editor's decision not to mis repeat the mistake of St. Jerome, in whose Vulgate Bible many of the different Hebrew and Greek words for the resting place of the dead were given one Latin name, Infernus, which in modern English is hell. For more on this issue, see the Hades entry on pages 99 to 102 in the AIC bookstore publication, Layman's Lexicon. More on the bookstore at the end of this episode. The illustration is a detached leaf from an illumination in colors and gold on parchment of the parable of the rich man and Lazarus from the Eadwine Psalter made at Canterbury, England around 1150 A.D. The original is at Trinity College, Oxford, England. This image came from the Morgan Library and Museum in New York, New York. The final parable discussed in this episode is the short parable of the tenacious widow found in Luke 18:1-8. As a minor parable, it is not read in the Sunday Holy Communion readings 
for the gospel in the 1928 Book of Common Prayer. The parable is, however, part of the second lesson in morning prayer for the Tuesday following ninth Sunday after Trinity. The parable, known as the parable of the persistent widow in some modern translations, is associated with the parable which follows it, the parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector or publican, which will be discussed in episode 20. The illustration for most of this sequence is Jesus' teaching, a miniature illumination in colored inks and gold on parchment from a circa 1220 A.D. Gospel book, the Codex Bruxall, from the collection of the Bodischer Landis Bibliothek in Karlsruhe, Germany. The text surrounding the image is from Matthew 5, verses 2 and 3, the Sermon on the Mount for the Beatitudes. Scholars argue on about whether the setting is somewhere either in Samaria or Galilee, with a consensus supporting a location in the Galilee. The primary target audience was the disciples, so the Pharisees likely were present in the village but are not mentioned in the readings. They are, however, who is met in verse 9, which comes afterward, some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and despised others. St. Luke's introduction in his own words in verse 1 puts the parable in the context of the power and importance of prayer writing just before Jesus began to speak the parable that, quote, men always ought to pray and not lose heart. The illustration is one of the earliest known depictions of St. Luke, an illumination in colored inks and gold on parchment made at Aachen, Germany in 800 A.D., the same year in which Charlemagne was crowned Holy Roman Emperor at Rome. The work is also known as one of the Ada Gospels, so named after the dedication to Charlemagne's sister, Ada. This version is manuscript Harley 2788, folio 108V, from the collection of the British Library, London, England. Other copies are held at the Wissenschaftliche Bibliothek der Stadt Trier, Trier, Germany, formerly known as Trier City Library. There are only two characters in the parable. Jesus summarizes each, a hard-hearted judge who, quote, did not fear God nor re regard man, in verse 2, and the persistent widow who demanded from the judge, quote, justice for me from my adversary, unquote, in verse 3b. Jesus relates the reluctant judge's reasoning, explaining that after initial rejection of her demand, he thought to himself, the following in verses 4b and 5. Though I do not fear God nor regard man, yet because this widow troubles me, I will avenge her, lest by her continual coming she weary me. Jesus then relates the judge's actual words in verse 6b, 7, and 8. Hear what the unjust judge said. And shall not God avenge his own elect who cry out day and night to him, though he bears long with them? I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. Two early church writers, one from the west and one from the east, had interesting observations about the meaning of the parable. 
in the late 4th century, St. Augustine, or Augustine if you're an American, Bishop of Hippo in North Africa, concluded that it is persistence and not the length of prayers that is most important. In the same century, Ephraim the Syrian in the East pointed out that it was the persistence of the widow's prayer that turned the judge's moral wickedness into mercy. This should be seen in the context of the presence of the Pharisees, whom Jesus has criticized for their long and conspicuously public prayers. Jesus' comments found expression later in the prayer of the influential 5th century Roman church writer John Cassian, which St. Benedict later wrote into his rules for monastic life. O God, make speed to save me. O Lord, make haste to help me. The final verse in the reading contains a warning in the form of a question which is not answered in the text. Jesus said in verse 18b, Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he really find faith on the earth? One of the consistent themes of St. Luke's writings is the need for a response in faith to the gospel. I've spoken about it earlier in episode 13, first in the context of faith and obedience in St. Mary's response to the Archangel Gabriel, chapter 1, verse 38, and then the encounter between Mary and Elizabeth in verses 39 to 45, blessed is she who believed, and in the context of St. Luke's use of questions as a means of enhancing dramatic anticipation. For example, in the discussion of the nativity of John the Baptist, what kind of child would this be in chapter 1, verse 66? My discussion of the unique parables in the Gospel of Luke continues in the next episode. Other AIC resources on material presented in this episode are from our podcast homily series, the podcast homily for First Sunday after Trinity focused on 1 John 4, 7-21 and Luke 16, 19-31, the parables, parable of the rich man and Lazarus. From the AIC Bookstore Publications, our newest book, The Gospel of Luke Annotated and Illustrated, from Chapter 16 is the parable of the rich man and Lazarus, illustrated on page 171, and in chapter 18, the parable of the tenacious widow. From the AIC Bookstore publication, Layman's Lexicon, words and phrases of interest are Abraham's bosom, angels slash archangels, commandments, faith, fear of the Lord, Hades, mercy slash merciful, prayer, righteous slash righteousness, virtues, and Vulgate Bible. From the beliefs of the Anglican Church, the Tenth Commandment and its use in Anglican worship are discussed on pages 49 to 56. In Hear Us, O Lord, Daily Prayers for the Laity, St. John Cassian's Prayer and its adaptation by St. Benedict is found on page 88. From Christian Spirituality and Anglican Perspective, Personal Prayer and the Development of Personal Prayer Habits and the concept of three stages of prayer are all discussed in part four. Finally, there is Father Ron's blog, using links at the top and the bottom of 
each page. Entries include a, an illustration, generally. The direct URL address is www.anglicaninternetchurch.net right slash blog with blog in all lowercase letters. By clicking on the Follow Anglican Internet Church legend in the right-hand column and afterward entering your email address, you can receive notice of each new posting from our site host, wordpress.com. Please be assured that we do not share email addresses and other information with any other organization. Thank you for joining me for episode 19. In episode 20, I will discuss the final unique parable, the parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector, and begin discussion of unique content in the Gospel of St. Luke. Until next time, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be merciful to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen. This program has been a presentation of the Anglican Internet Church. We invite you to visit our website and make use of its resources at www.anglicaninternetchurch.net.